0: Welcome to The Grange Point where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia, We're a youth organization aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. From Venus flytraps to Scandinavian trees, we find out what plants are thinking on the inside. Did you know you plants are able to produce magnetic fields? We look at the venus flytrap to try and measure the faint magnetic signals given off by them when they snap closed plus better ways to analyze the health of plants by monitoring their sugar levels The twitching of muscles in a dissected frog led to the whole discovery of electrophysiology pioneers like the italian physician and physicist luigi galvani now in his initial experiments he coined the term animal electricity to describe how the muscles of the frog convulsed especially when he exposed them to different types of electrical responses and this became known as galvanism now this field developed and we began to better understand the interrelationship between nerves muscles and electric signals which are passed around through animals and all of this forms part of bioelectromagnetics because the important part to remember, because we understand electricity a lot better now, is that electricity exists on the electromagnetic spectrum. Thanks to Maxwell, we understand that these are linked. You can't have electricity without magnetism and, and somewhat vice versa, which means that when we have muscles twitching or electrical pulses dancing around our bodies, carrying signals, well, this means there's also probably some magnetics at play. Likewise, different types of animals are able to interpret and understand the magnetic field through some interaction or induction of electric currents in them in their cells in their muscles in their brains this is the so-called magnetoreception that are used by animals like migratory birds which help them navigate now that's all well and good that's sensing magnetic fields that's Using electricity inside your bodies. Those are two well understood areas. But another area is the actual production of magnetic pulses itself. Can a living thing actually produce magnetic pulses, not just electrical sparks which produce magnetic fields as a byproduct? The problem is, measuring this is incredibly difficult because, well, the measurement of such a small field which would be generated by a very small electrical pulse from your muscles, from neurons, whatever. Well, these will be very hard to detect. It's really held back the whole field of what is known as biomagnetism. And to do this kind of study, researchers have to use superconducting quantum interference devices called SQUID magnetometers. They're big bulky instruments. They must be cooled to really cold cryogenic temperatures. And that's difficult because squid measurements, they're they're big and they're bulky. And when you're trying to analyse quite small signals, it's hard to get them close enough to be really effective, which makes the measurement of actual magnetic fields generated by living organisms quite difficult. And that's in animals. But we know that other creatures, other things, are able to also generate and respond to electricity. And that's where researchers from the Johannes Gutenberg University in Mainz in Germany have been investigating. The lead authors on this paper, Anna fabricant and Jeffrey Water. Now, they published in the journal Scientific Reports a study on analyzing magnetic fields in plants and in one of the most famous iconic plants. Now, when you think about a plant that's really alive, you might think of something that's got a bit of a character, got a bit of animation, and response to movement, maybe one that actively eats something rather than absorbing sunlight. Maybe one that's probably attacked you in a video game that you may have played. That is the Venus flytrap, the Dianae muscipula. And the Venus flytrap is a pretty fascinating plant because it actually preys on insects. And it works by being a carnivorous plant. It's not the only one pitcher plant or other types of carnivorous plants that use some form of trap to trap a prey. The Venus flytrap is so iconic, mostly because it snaps. Now it has this mouth or this opening. Actually, to be more precise, that closes these leaves, these certain types of leaves, and close around its prey as its trap, hence the name the Venus flytrap. Now, when they do this process, electric signals are sent. These are known as action potential triggers. They actually are what close those leaf lobes. Now, that's pretty amazing, and that's an example of electricity in action, much in the same way that electric nerve signals help pulse you in your arms when you're trying to grasp onto something but researchers were trying to use that as an example of well maybe we could look at magnetic fields because we were seeing electric pulses generated maybe there's also some magnetic fields being generated as part of this the problem is how on earth do you study a magnetic fields on what actually is a relatively small plant so that involved a large interdisciplinary team of scientists trying to really find the best way to take such a measurement now researcher, physicist, and a fabricant was analysing or comparing it to like performing an MRI on humans. The problem is, if you want to try and perform an MRI on a plant, well, magnetic signals in the plants, like we talked about, are really, really weak. The electrical signals themselves are incredibly weak, which means the correspondingly generated magnetic signals are even weaker. And that means it's been much harder to actually get any type of assessment to get the sensor in the right place to pick up such a faint signal. Now, we use this kind of measurement of electrical potential or, or pulses when we try and analyze the electroencephalography, or, which is the EEG, or the magnetoencephalography, which is the MEG, or even magnetic resonance imaging, MRI. This is what we use to study the functioning of the nervous system to study the functioning of the brain. You would have seen it in the medical shows where they show the scans or they put people in the big tubes. An MRI machine is just incredibly sensitive magnets picking up signals inside your body. Now, what they wanted to do was try and take that kind of non-invasive approach to plants because plants are very fragile. And just like when we want to study the inner workings of somebody, we want some non-invasive techniques to actually study what's happening and while we can do it for people, because the signals that we generate are much more easy to read, when it comes to the Venus flytrap, it's a lot more difficult. Now, it has been possible under previous work by, under the uh, advisor advisory candidate and a doctoral research, Professor Dimitri Budka, that they're able to demonstrate that these action potentials, these electrical pulses, can be generated in a multicellular plant system. So they've seen them, and they, in theory, should be producing some kind of measurable magnetic field. That's what they suspected. But actually capturing that with some kind of measurement, well, that has proved to be much harder. Now, the Venus flytrap consists of two bilobed trapping leaves with really sensitive hairs. Those hairs, when they're touched, trigger that nerve-like response to the action potential that travels through the whole leaf system. After two, not just one, but two successive stimulation of these hairs, the trap closes and the prey is trapped inside, obviously then digested by the plant. Now, interestingly enough, you can actually induce the trap as well using electrical excitement. You can make the trap close, not just through physically touching it or maybe having some form of exposure to it, but salt water, thermal loads, trapping from a heat and cold can also actually trigger the electric signal in this plant. So without having to touch it was a good way of actually performing a study, and that's what the researchers used. They used heat stimulation to try trigger the hair sensors to trigger the closing mechanism, and that helped them eliminate any background noise that might have been generated by trying to have some physical mechanism going in there poking the plants. To get a measurement that was close and very small to detect the incredibly small signals of magnetic fields being generated by the Venus flytrap, they didn't use these large superconducting quantum interference devices, these squid magnometers, they instead used atomic magnometers, and they're able to measure the magnetic signals given off by this Venus flytrap. Now the sensor itself is a glass cell filled with a vapour of alkali atoms. And they react and change with even the smallest of magnetic field changes in the local environment. These can then get observed and measured, and they call it optically pumped. And that makes it very easy because you don't actually need to chill everything down to cryogenic levels in order to use it. And because it's using gas, it can be miniaturized. You're not having big, bulky equipment. Now, using these special atomic magnometers based around this trapped vapor of alkali atoms the researchers are able to detect incredibly faint magnetic signals the amplitude of these magnetic signals is around 0.5 picotesla that's incredibly small that's millions of times weaker than the background magnetic field of the earth the one that we're exposed to every day let alone a more serious magnetic field generated by a large electromagnetic generator now it's one of the smallest measurements that they've ever seen but it's equivalent to what you see when you do surface measurements of the nerve pulses in animals. So that's pretty fascinating. These Venus flytraps are producing magnetic fields and electric pulses just like that you would find inside an animal or a human with our muscles. Now that's great because now we prove that magnetic fields can be generated by plants. The researchers are going after new and amazing ways to use this non-invasive technology to study other signals that could be sent by plants. Because there's a lot of information that can be passed backwards and forwards from the different areas of a plant responding to external stimuli. And understanding what the plant is saying to itself or to other plants nearby to it is incredibly useful for all kinds of reasons, not just from an agricultural perspective, but also understanding how biological systems work and interact with each other. And that's what these researchers and physicists and biologists are really looking at as a potential next step. Ways to do non-invasive technologies that could be used for crop development or plant diagnostics, trying to actually listen to the plant when getting it to tell you what exactly is going wrong. So, studying the magnetic fields generated by Venus flytraps seems like a pretty strange thing. The actual application of it to be able to diagnose what is happening in a plant much more accurately, much in the same way as we have non-invasive scans for humans, well, that is a pretty groundbreaking thing. Some great research published in the journal Scientific Reports and lead researcher on this was Anna Fabricant with a large team of collaborators, including Hawada, Shota, Ligeros and more. one of the ways of indirectly measuring the health of something, a CAT scan, a CT scan, an MRI, or even EEG. Those are all examples of how doctors can actually help diagnose something that's wrong with you without actually putting something inside of you. But to take a blood test or to take a more detailed diagnostic, sometimes that's required actually something invasive or something that actually has to go inside. But with such samples, you can actually get some pretty good readings. Now, one of the things that we often measure particularly for people with diabetes. Well, you have to measure the glucose levels in their blood. These blood sugar levels are incredibly important for regulation of lots of types of body functions, which is one of the reasons why it's monitored so closely. And there's all kinds of devices now that can be set up that are basically wearable in a way that monitor blood sugar levels in in real time, provide alerts and give people helpful diagnostic information that enables them to treat and manage their condition really accurately and really efficiently without having to do a sample test with a needle like they used to do previously. They can just have a monitor that's running on them all the time. If a particular drop or an increase in blood sugar levels is picked up, they can take the appropriate course of action. That is a pretty handy tool for people but is it possible to use a similar technique to apply for studying the health of plants? Well, that's exactly what researchers from Linköpen University have been investigating and published in the journal iScience. Now, lead author on this paper was Chiari Diaci, and they worked under the direction of researchers from Linköpen, Elena Stefanadu and Tote Natalia, who are formed part of a research team the Umea Plant Science Center. And the technique they developed is a certain type of sugar sensor that's based on organic electrochemical transistors. And this is important because these bio-based sensors can actually be implanted into the plants, into the trees, which means that they can monitor the sugar level of trees or other plants continuously in real time for up to two days. Now, when you monitor the sugar levels of trees, you learn a lot Just like in humans, we understand that they are important for regulatory process, providing energy and body function. The same thing can be said for plants. Plants use sugars for energy. And sugars are also important signal substances that can influence the growth and the development of the plant, and in particular, its response to any changes that happen in its surrounding environment. If it's finding it difficult to grow in a particular way or finding some adverse condition or maybe under attack in some way from a pathogen or a bug, well, you can see changes inside the sugar levels of the plant as a response to this external stimuli. So monitoring the sugar levels is an amazing diagnostic tool. And they have made a sensor that can now be used for what might be considered basic plant science research, but it's still incredibly important because it can help crop scientists in particular, optimize the conditions for growth and monitor that really precisely in very short periods of time. So instead of waiting for a harvest to see if you've boosted yield, you'll be able to tell much earlier on if the new strain of seed that you've developed or maybe some other treatment or growing conditions, you can see the impact that it's having right away directly, rather than waiting for the indirect measurement further down the track. And that's really important because the mechanisms by which plant metabolism is regulated and and how sugar level changes inside the plants impact things like growth of a plant, it might seem obvious, but understanding how this works in real time has been very difficult, mostly because we have to rely on cutting up the plant to understand what happened. And then once you do that, well, you can't really easily study exactly what's going on. But because this sensor can be put in without damaging the plant, you can actually learn how the metabolic function of the plant works a lot more closely and understand it much faster. That's really important. And just in the basic study that they did with proving that this technology works, they found a variation in sugar levels in the trees that hadn't been previously observed. Now that they have a sensor that can be used to monitor non-invasively and non-destructively, well, they can now take that and apply it to different kinds of plants. They started with the hybrid aspen, the Populus tremula, but of course, this center technique could be used in a wide variety of different plants and species and crops and could really greatly help boost not only the productivity, but our understanding and the ability to diagnose what's going wrong with crops and what could be improved. And that's important for feeding the planet and for providing sustainable materials for the planet as well. This is some great research from the Kirpen University, published in the journal iScience. Again, first author on this paper was Giari Jachi with lead investigators Elena Stavanadru and Toite Nitalia. This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, LaGrange Point. From the magnetic signals given off by Venus flytraps as they snap closed to understanding the health of a plant through the use of diagnostic biosensors.